how much of a difference maker is Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels on the defensive side of the ball? Are we starting to really, really see the Pelicans' identity? And how much of an impact can rookie Jordan Hawkins make? I've got Pelicans and Saints team reporter Aaron Summers on today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Thursday, and we got uh, Pelicans and Saints team reporter Aaron Summers joining me to break down everything New Orleans Pelicans. Before we get into the show, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five anti antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com Aaron, thanks for joining the show yeah i'm excited i'm really glad that i'm talking after a win because in the rough going for a little while for the pelicans but we got a good one against the dallas mavericks the second time around yeah what'd you, what'd you think of the court what did you think of the court for the in-season tournament before I, we get into anything here no i honestly loved it I was really skeptical when I saw the picture of it. I was like, wow, I don't know how that's going to look. And some of the other courts watching on TV, it was just a lot. But for some reason, I really liked the green and purple. It looked great with the black jerseys and the effects in the arena with all of the skeleton logos, the bright <laughs> green, the greens with the red eyes. Like the whole thing was done really well. It was funny because. Before the game started, I was sitting baseline watching warmups, and Trey Murphy just came bolting down the tunnel. He like looked around and was looking at. I have no idea what he's looking at, but then all of a sudden he goes, "Oh, it's not that bad." I thought it was going to be a lot worse, and I was like, "Oh, he's talking about the court." And it was. I mean, it was really good. I liked it. His dad was there and like understood the assignment with the outfit, the the yes. highlighter yellow green that he was rocking with everything. So it seemed like everyone was having a lot of fun with it. So so that game, the big win over the Dallas Mavericks, 131-110, kind of a very stark difference from the game on Sunday. You know, when you and I were kind of figuring out what we wanted to talk about in today's show, you immediately jumped to the impact of Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels starting in that backcourt. And it might've seemed like a little bit of a question to not start Jordan Hawkins in the shooting he provides. And we'll get into that later in the show. Cl clearly though, <laughs> getting Herb Jones back and then Dyson out there too proved to be the right thing. Yeah, it was an interesting choice to go with two defensive minded players with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and then Jonas Valanciunas. It was interesting because it's not the usual shooting lineup that you would see. It wasn't a true point guard, you know, filling in for CJ McCollum. And it was because they decided to switch things up defensively as far as assignments. They wanted to put Herb on a big and put him on a center. And that's what they did. They really attacked the Mavs a completely different way in the second game. And it started with that defensive intensity that they brought. I think Herb and Dyson really set the tone early in this game and everybody fed off of that. You know, Brandon, Zion, Jonas, everybody was getting back. They were playing aggressive. 
the intensity was just at a heightened level to start this game. I think a little bit of um, pride came into play too because of the way things went on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. You you could tell they just didn't want to be embarrassed again, I think, in the way that they did on Sunday. Where Look, they flat out look kind of bad. There's no other way to really say it. And it also went to how they defended, I thought, Luka Doncic too. You know, they were just doubling him in that game on Sunday every single time out of the pick and roll. And you just can't do that to him consistently. He picked him apart. Here it helps when you have a guy like Herb Jones who can play a little bit more one-on-one with him at times. Same with Dyson Daniels too. I, I was texting with our Lockdown Mavs host who's actually in town over the weekend too for the first game. He said this is arguably the worst game he's ever seen Luka Doncic play. Play, which says to a lot about how Herb Jones played in this one, I think. Luca after the game was really interesting. He said, you know, everyone's going to have bad games some and bad nights where nothing is going to go right for you. Luca had 16 points. That is well and below his average. He turned the ball over six times in the first half. He was a mess, which was is rare to see from him. And I think a lot of it was the way that the, de- the Pels played him defensively on Sunday, as you mentioned, they really played up in the pick and roll a lot and they decided to vary up their looks there, their coverages. They played up and down, they threw different players at him. They picked him up full court. So there was a lot of different things coming at him. I think it really threw him off and didn't allow him to get into a good rhythm. No, I mean, you could see it. The eight, you said six turnovers in the first half, eight overall. There was that he picked up that technical because he was so frustrated. And there were times in this game where I thought he would just go get pick up a second tech and just get tossed and just call it a night, head to the locker room early or something like that because he just looked so out of sorts. But, you know, it's interesting that the Pelicans have that kind of point of attack defense with Herb Jones and then Dyson Daniels, who I thought was really good in this one too. And he's kind of growing and you're seeing him grow as a second year player. You know, if you're an opponent, it's got to be so annoying to play against those two guys. If you're the best wing player, if you're the best backcourt player, and they're going to throw 48 minutes of Herb and Dyson at you, having those type of guys there is kind of a luxury. So to deploy them in the starting lineup, I thought was a pretty creative choice, an interesting choice where we constantly think more shooting with this team, more three-pointing, more court spacing for Brandon Ingram, for Zion Williamson. And we'll get into their identity in a minute here, but it seems like a lot of it, they do want to start on the defensive side of the ball. There, that's the trade-off is when you put in Herb and Dyson, then yeah, you're taking away one of those shooters and the ability to really space the floor. And you could see it last night. You know, Zion was drawing a lot of doubles. He was the point of focus for sure because you didn't have people that were huge threats on the outside. So kind of was getting clogged up in the middle a little bit, which is why I think the fact that they were able to turn the Mavs over so much and really get their transition game going was so key in them getting out to a lead because they were finding really easy opportunities to score in transition rather than having to get into their sets and, and fight in the middle. Um, and then they didn't, they weren't, I don't want to say hurt, but they weren't affected at as much by the fact that Herb and Dyson aren't as big of offensive threats. Although I do think they are coming along. Herb Jones had 19 last night. Dyson Daniels had 17 on Sunday. You can see the work that both of those men are putting in because we know Herb doesn't leave the gym. Dyson has been working <laughs> on his shot consistently and it is translating. It's not even, you know, Dyson's outside looks, but his, his floaters. It's he's varying the, his different, the different shots that he has in his arsenal now. And I think that also gives you more confidence to put him in, in the starting lineup because 
they can give you a couple points here and there when you when you might need it. You know, when it comes to Dyson, I think it was Willie Green said it at media day when talking about him. If he gives you anything offensively because he's so polished defensively already, he's got such good size. That's what they're looking for. And he's giving you in, in like a variety of different areas. He shot two of five. He made two threes in that game. I think he had seven assists in this one, too. His outside shot has been good. But you mentioned he's more assertive. You know, it was like and you were there at Summer League with him. He seemed to realize he's more physical, bigger, stronger than a lot of other guards in this league. And he needs to try and take advantage of that. He's been getting into the lane where he's that little kind of baby turnaround hook floater thing, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And it's been impressive to like see the work that he's done and it's starting to pay off. And it's why he's carved out a really strong role, especially early in the season with some of the injuries that the teams had. It's really interesting that you pointed out summer league, because I remember talking to Dyson then, and he said, the coaches just told me to go to the hoop, to score, to get going offensively, just to drive it inside and not worry about trying to set up for a shot outside. Um, and so he really started to gain confidence with his ability to go in and kind of fight in the paint a little bit and get some of those baskets underneath. And I think that that's what we're seeing now is that confidence kind of boiling over from what he was able to do in summer league, the work that he's put in and the fact that he's seen it translate in games already this season. He across the board, every single statistical category he has improved in. And it might not be something drastic where we saw, you know, Trey Murphy make this huge leap when he kind of finally came back and, and had his stint up and down in the G League. But you can see that he is making strides every day in his game. And it is showing up in the box score, but also with what you can see every every game. Yeah, and, and, and you mentioned Herb Jones too. You know, he's he's getting downhill and attacking a lot. The three-point shooting has been a little bit inconsistent. He was good in this game going two of four. But you're seeing him kind of get the ball on the perimeter and just go right to the hoop, similar to what we were saying about Dyson. But, you know, the knock on Herb has been his offense. At times, it seems like in the past they'd play four on five. Here, he's absolutely contributing. And if he can do that early and often, particularly to start games and you get him going, it's just going to open things up for the rest of the guys on the court. Yeah, I agree. Whenever you have people on the court like Zion and Brandon Ingram, when DJ McCollum comes back, you're going to have opportunities for the other players to knock down open shots or get open lanes because the defense is going to be focused elsewhere. So the fact that Herb is confident enough now to take those opportunities is going to be huge for this team. With the 19 points, he also had four assists on Tuesday night. So he's also looking to move the ball and, and to help set up his, his teammates. So I think that his overall offensive IQ is getting better. Obviously he understands the game at a very high level, but his role offensively is starting to develop more and he's kind of understanding how he can fit in on that side. Yeah, it's it's a big part of why they won this game. You know, I think with both those guys in the starting lineup, they were absolutely massive for him, particularly with slowing Luka down. So coming up here next in Locked On Pelicans, let's talk a little bit more about their team identity, what they're trying to build, see if we can clarify that for the listeners here. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And there's no better time to join FanDuel than right now because... 
New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. The Pelicans taking on the Denver Nuggets in the in-season tournament. Yes, they blew that lead before, but they're home now. They seem to shake off what was bugging them before. If you think they're going to win, you place $5 on the Pelicans. They win, you win that bet, and you get 150 bucks. It's that simple. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to tip off the NBA season, kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and the official sportsbook of Locked On. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. If you want to support the channel, become an everydayer. Listen Monday through Friday. Right now, we're talking to Pelicans and Saints team reporter Aaron Hawkins, breaking down the big win over the Dallas Mavericks here. I mentioned this on my recap show. They had 46 fast break points against the Dallas Mavericks, which is pretty ridiculous. I think they had two in the first half of that game on Sunday. I think they had 13 overall in that game. It's a huge difference, right? At times, the offense has struggled in the half court, but when you could just get out and run and get easy points like that, it completely turns things around from you. We've heard Willie Green talk a lot about pace and getting out and running. James Borrego was talking about it too. Is this like the idealized version of the Pelicans and what they want to be? Absolutely. It was a lot of fun to watch because every time there was a steal running out, like there was alley-oops, dunks, but just, it was fun. The pace was fun. A lot of moments for the fans to get into it and to get excited. I think that's exactly what the Pelicans envisioned their offense to look like. They have so many threats, whether it's Zion, B.I., C.J. when he comes back. Trey Murphy, gosh, he's going to just open things up even more. And now you have Jordan Hawkins, players that are stepping up. You have so many players that have an ability to score, but it's going to start on the defensive side for this team. They have to get stops. They have to rebound and they have to turn teams over to be able to get the opportunities to generate points in transition. That is going to be what is key for this team. Last year, they were sitting six in deep overall defense and holding teams to just ridiculous numbers for whatever reason that's been a little bit up and down to start this season but I think we saw how fun and how easy this offense can look when they really lock in on the defensive end because it really got things going for them offensively and then they were sharing the ball they were spacing the floor they were just moving with that that pace that all of the coaches have talked about it just starts defensively um so yeah that was it was really fun to, to watch them play like that for almost an entire 48 minutes yeah i saw i forget what the exact number was but it was like midway through the second quarter it flashed on the screen the big screen in the smoothie king center and it was something they had like 20 something or 30 something fast break points and i thought that was like a glitch and someone put the wrong number up there because that just didn't seem real to me to put that those 46 points in context right the philadelphia 76ers lead the league in fast break points at 20.3 so this is more than double the league leader the pelicans average 16 fast break points per game so they they were 30 plus more during in all of this and it's just something that demoralizes teams because that's legitimately the most efficient type of offense you can generate in the NBA and that's why a guy like Herb Jones is so important I think they're 
among say fans and the fan base will be a question and I've, I've asked this out loud too of do you start Herb or Trey Murphy maybe when he comes back but you can see the impact of generating those steals getting that kind of easy offense and also when you score your defense can get back and get set and it lets you like turn force turnovers more and not play in transition mm-hmm. yourself and I think that's something that's important so you start to see this kind of just like be it be this like perpetuating engine for the team in a sense and they have the athletes to do it yeah absolutely there was more of an urgency to get back when things were going so well on the offensive side it was you know kind of like the give and take you're, you're gonna have to exert yourself get out in transition play hard defensively but you're getting easy buckets and then you're making life easier for you on the opposite side um, to rebound and run it's funny that you bring up the fast break points because in the first game dallas had 30 to the pelicans 13. In this game, the Pelicans at one point in the second quarter had 30 and the Mavs had zero. They ended the (laughs) half at 30 to five, but it was just wild to see how much the script had flipped from one game to the next. And it it really did start defensively, just locking in Dyson, Herb, being active. I mean, I think everybody in the starting five had a steal in the game. So you can see this, the buy-in, um, and Herb Jones mentioned it after the game. He said they spent a lot of time on Monday looking at film and having, you know, real conversations with each other about that. that's not it. Like, we can't be doing these things, you know. Um, we need to come with a sense of urgent, urgency, a higher level of, of energy and effort across the board and be active everywhere, and you can really see that, that was the mentality that they came in with um, in Tuesday's game in the rematch. Do you think it's just as simple as that? You know, just kind of going out there and playing hard, you know, every possession? I think it helps. (laughs) (laughs) I think that a lot of us could say in several games this year that it didn't feel like they were giving the effort that they should be, especially in the third quarter. They had come out so many times and played so bad. And, what was nice to see is that the way that they played in the first half against the Mavs on Tuesday carried over from half. They scored 44 points in the third quarter and just continued to dominate. So they have the ability, but it's, it is so mental. I mean, you really have to commit to doing it every single play because there are mistakes. And and Brago said, you know, Herb Jones covers a lot of people's mistakes. He's just that (laughs) kind of player. So he probably having him back helped, but yeah, any little mistake can, can lead to an opportunity for the other team to start going on a run. So you're around the team on, on a daily basis. And, you know, there were these quotes from Zion the other day, and we don't need to get fully into those, but I don't think they were necessarily as bad as some people wanted to make them out to be. One of the kind of feelings I've gotten from being around this team, even on the five-game losing streak, is there's still a lot of confidence in this locker room for what this team can be, you know, what they are capable of accomplishing, the talent they have here, and kind of what they're building. Is that the feeling you get from being around the team on a daily basis? I think this team definitely believes in each other. I think they're frustrated because it's not coming as easy as it did the start of last season, mm-hmm. you know, when things were just really on a roll, especially when we got into December and there's still been some injuries. There have been people in and out of the lineup. I think that's frustrating. I think, you know, obviously Larry Nance Jr. is an example of that. You know, he wasn't ready to go 
in preseason, gets to play a few games, and now he's out again. So everybody's kind of dealing with their own internal frustrations with with that. And then Mm -hmm. changing different lineups, you know, learning the new offense, getting comfortable with not having the same players around you all the time is got to be tough. So I don't think it's so much of they don't like each other. They don't get along. It's they're just not playing with their full regiment of players yet and not able to develop that chemistry yet. Cause when they're there during practice, you know, whether they're able to play or not, Trey Murphy standing there on the sideline, Jose Alvarado standing there on the sideline the entire time talking to people They're they're there interacting. Larry Nance, um, stopped in the middle of practice the other day and walked across the court and pulled Zion aside and was telling him something that he was seeing on the court and that he in a play that they were going through. So even though they're not all able to play together, they are all definitely practicing together and staying together. It's just, we might not be able to see it yet because they, they haven't all been healthy and the chemistry that we're looking for on the court hasn't had a chance to fully develop. Yeah. And I think that's why you're hearing kind of a lot of like patience, trust the process, those sorts of things so that when they do get that health back, when they do finally get reps on the court, that hopefully by the end of the season, you're peaking at the right time and making a playoff push, maybe playing your best basketball going into the postseason. One guy that's going to help them do that has already played a huge role here. That's Jordan Hawkins. Let's talk about him coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Jace Medical. Look, we all live in South Louisiana. There's threats of hurricanes. There can be supply chain issues. If you need your medicine, you've got to have an emergency stash ready to go for you because you never know what's going to happen in life. So whether it's extended travel, a hurricane, whatever it is, you're going to be covered with our friends over at Jace Medical. Right now, you can go online to jacemedical.com and receive a 12-month supply of your daily medication. And if you use promo code Locked On at checkout, you're going to get a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to be able to take them. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. So if you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having Having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com and see if it's offered for you. Remember, use promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. Throw it in your hurricane kit. If you're evacuating, you might not be able to get a resupply. Jacemedical.com, promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. Got Aaron Summers here, Pelicans and Saints team reporter, breaking down really the season, the big win over the Dallas Mavericks. A a bright spot that honestly has surprised me a good bit has been Jordan Hawkins. Like he's, He's awesome. I think is what it comes down to. Looking a bit like a steal with the 14th overall pick. Did did you or anyone really kind of expect this sort of impact within his first 11 games this season? No. I think we all saw what was said about him when he was drafted. Oh, his off-ball movement. He's so good at, you know, quick trigger. He is going to be a light out, sh- lights out shooter. But you expect for it to take a little bit of time to get used to the speed of the game in the NBA, how people are going to defend you. And – 
of it. That's how we, we saw with Trey Murphy. It took him a little while to kind of get settled in, uh, in things at this level. But Jordan is just, he's so baffling to me because he's so quiet and he's so reserved, but he plays with such confidence. And it's not, you know, sometimes I'm like, wait, is he cocky or is he just, <laughs> he's like, he rides that line, right? Because he, I asked him last night after the game, you know, if he was kind of surprised or how it was coming so easy for him to start the season. And he was like, no, like I expected to be here. I've put in the work. I, yeah, it, you know, it's cool that I'm doing all these things and I'm having success, but I know how much work I've put in and this is where I expected myself to be. And I'm like, all right then. Like, but it makes sense. Like if you really have put in that much work on your game, then why would you not expect to be successful? And he has done everything that it takes to put himself in position to be successful right away. Um, you know, he is continues to work on his game, continues to work on his shot, watches a ton of film, and he's always gonna be ready. You know, I don't I don't think that we are even seeing close to what he's gonna be capable of because he's not just a shooter. I think he's really affecting the game in so many other ways. You know, we see him, he's very active defensively. Mm -hmm. He's capable of other shots that aren't just from the perimeter. So I think his maturation is gonna be really fun to watch, especially, I, I don't know what's gonna happen when Trey Murphy comes back, but when you add another outside threat like that, you know, how, hot can this team get from outside? How much fun can be? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's important when you have Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and you you need shooters around him. It's really as simple as that. But yeah, he, he's definitely more than just a shooter. He rebounds incredibly well, I think, including on the offensive glass, something that the Pelicans have struggled with this year. And look, we, we know head coach Willie Green, right? You have to put in the work in practice if you want to get out there on the court. And he's got to be able to really trust you particularly defensively too otherwise you're not you're not going to see the minutes we even saw trey murphy struggle at times to get minutes his rookie year when we were all really high on him and jordan hawkins is starting he's 11 games in and he's playing the most minutes off the bench in not a must-win game for the pelicans but a pretty significant one too and he comes out and he delivers and you know he he plays taller bigger than he is he's got good size at six five but if he had thrown down that dunk the other night i think the whole smoothie king center was going to lose oh, their know. their collective minds with all of that right they're they're also drawing up like specific plays for him you see those kind of drag routes almost on the perimeter to space uh, to just get him a little bit of space because one of the things that's that's kind of blown my mind the most and you saw this like game three four is he's on the opponent's scouting report already they're taking away any airspace that he has that's incredible to do 11 games in is the 14th overall pick it's so funny because he shoots a ton he puts up a ton of shots and even if he's not hitting it doesn't seem to affect him and mm -hmm. he said something where he has a shooter's mentality and in order to have that and be successful you also have to have tough skin because you're not going to hit every single shot they're not always going to be your night but you have to continue to be confident in your work and confident in your shot. It's the whole trust thing. I mean, you really have to trust yourself as well. And when you talk to the other players on the team, Brandon Ingram has spoken very highly of him. And if Brandon trusts you and he's confident and he's going to pass it off to you, then that's 
that's huge for a rookie that's coming in and only played, you know, 11 games. Yeah, it's uh, it, and everyone seems to be rooting for him with the team success and everything. You know, when they presented him his championship ring, and I'm sure that adds to the confidence and everything, right? Leading UConn to a national title this past year, they were all so excited for him, and I love kind of seeing that camaraderie on the team. And then I loved his line of like, "Now I want another ring here," which seemed to get the entire team fired up. You know, I, I think that adds to everything here. But he's just been. Tremendous, and it feels like he's going to be a fixture in this lineup going forward. And, you know, is he the type of guy, you know, what do you see his ceiling being in the NBA a little bit? You said we're not necessarily even seeing the best version of him yet. He's one of three rookies in the league this year to score more than 25 points, and he's done it twice. So is Wembenyama, and one other player scored one. He set, I think, in this game a record for the most made threes as a rookie in their first 11 games, too. Like, it seems like the potential for him is really up there when we're seeing that more well-rounded version of his game already. There are a lot of shots that he took that, you know, I don't think are necessarily his shot yet. He was taking a lot from the, you know, pull-ups from the free throw line that he was not making. So I think there are a variety in his, in his, his shot chart that he's going to be able to develop more. Um, and not just be the outside threat. And I think that's where he's going to find some more growth is his ability to be versatile. He can obviously go to the rack because we've seen mm -hmm. him do it. He can definitely get up. As you mentioned, he plays a lot bigger than he is. He's, he's long, but he can get up. Um, so I think that when he can develop a variety of his shot a little bit more, then he's going to be such a threat. But defensively, I was just impressed with his way to – kind of keep up at this level already because even in the first handful of games I think I was watching him and I was like oh you know he looks a little slower he's a little late on that um you know that help or he got caught you know on that screen or whatever it was but I haven't noticed those kinds of lapses lately and he said that he's really taken a lot of time to watch film to make sure that he's learning areas of his game that he can continue to improve. And I think that's what's big for rookies is really when they can lock in defensively and, and take value in that side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's where most struggle to contribute for their like first two, three years in the league. So again, 11 yeah. games in to not be a neg even just not be a negative on that side of the ball is, is you take that every single time, but to probably be above average, I'd say for how he's playing right now, I think kind of speaks to him as a player and the work that he's doing, as you said, watching film, putting the reps in in practice, trying to grow and you're seeing it. And it's why he's going to continue to get minutes on the team here. So before we wrap up, do you have injury updates? Good ones? Is there, is there anything that's like positive here with that? As it's always something with the Pelicans, it feels like. I don't have anything from coach's mouth, but from what I have seen, we've seen Jose Alvarado go through full pregame warmups. Same with Trey Murphy. It seems like they're getting very close. They were both in great moods. And I don't know if this translates to anything with injuries, but they were in great moods Tuesday. They were having dance-offs among their shooting competitions during shoot around. And Trey was getting down so far. There's, <laughs> there's no way his knee can be hurt because there's no way he could have gotten down that low and um, was throwing some of the moves he was throwing if his knee's still bothering him. So I will just put that out there. It, there's absolutely no med medical, uh, update behind that or 
uh, anything to back it up, but they both <laughs> it sounds seem like, like they're, they're close. <laughs> it sounds like good scientific reasoning. We're not on like Twitter watch or Instagram post watch and reading too much into it. It's dance move watch here. So there you go. Yeah. Aaron Summers with the, with the, the great insight. No, that's good. Look, they weren't probably close to playing. They're probably not going to be as happy because I know they both want to be on the court. So like, I see where you're going with it. I think that's good. Hopefully we'll see them both very soon and we start to get the full complement of players here out there on the court so that's going to do it for this episode of locked on pelicans big thank you to aaron summers pelicans and saints team reporter here for joining me you'll be back next month to talk a little bit more something like that we'll do it again soon yeah. uh and that's going to do it for this episode of locked on pelicans part of the locked on podcast network your team every day back tomorrow trade target that i want to talk about will end the week on a fun note see y'all then